0: The great poet John Oxenham wrote this, Love ever gives, forgives, outlives, and ever stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives, for this is love's prerogative, to give and give and give. He seemed to understand the intrinsic connection between how we love and how we give.
1: You know, you can give without loving. But you can not love without giving.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Giving isn't about what's in our hands, but what's in our hearts. This week, Charles Tapp reveals that the concept of giving is the very foundation on which God has built his kingdom. And it's a demonstration of the love of God in our hearts as he shares his message, the gospel of giving.
1: One of the most challenging messages that many a pastor preacher is reluctant to share and his parishioners are probably even more reluctant to hear is a message on the subject of giving. What is it about the word when uttered from the lips of the pastor makes many in the church pew cringe in their seats? Could it be that giving for some of us, I would even say, yea, most of us is synonymous with money. And if there's one thing that our culture holds dear, it is definitely their hard-earned money. And as you examine further our culture's attitude toward money, you discover very quickly that there are several prevailing myths that dominate the discussion of money. In her book, Confessions of a Recovering Materialist, author Jean Shuffle shares two of these myths, the first of which she says is this that if we simply had more, our problems would disappear. Well, we know that's not true. Because in too many cases, we have seen where the acquisition of more money has really had the opposite effect. We see it every day in the case of those who win the lottery whose lives have been permanently damaged because of the sudden increase in their financial wealth. I was just reading this past week in Forbes magazine where they gave the statistic that one-third of those who win the lottery ultimately go bankrupt. Now, how is that possible? To win millions of dollars and then you have to file for bankruptcy? They even gave the case of one individual that even before he received his first check, he had spent all of his winnings, all of his earnings. They also went on to say that many of these people who win the lottery become very depressed and get involved in drug and alcohol abuse. So the myth that if I just get more money, it solves all my problems is just that it is a myth. As a matter of fact, Many financial planners have an inside joke, and they say that if you want to get back at your enemies, give them a lottery ticket. The second myth is this: that money is the root of all evil, and we know that simply is not the case. This is simply a distortion of what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6:10 when he said, "It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's not money that is the real problem. Money is not the real issue, but rather it's our mindset and our attitude that many of us have toward money. If we as believers confine the topic of giving solely to the category of money, listen, We have done the church. We have done the community. We've been called to serve. And yes, we have even done God a disservice. You see, giving, yes, is associated and can be associated with money. But when you truly understand it, you've got to come to the conclusion that giving, true giving, transcends money. For the concept of giving when placed in the light of the gospel, is clearly visible, it is clearly seen, it is clearly recognized as the foundation of the gospel. You see, giving is not so much about what you and I have in our hands, but giving is really about what you and I have in our hearts. And it's important to note that whenever. Jesus confronted someone on the issue of their money, on the issue of their material possessions. It was never really about their possessions. It was never really about their wealth, but it was always about the attitude or the mindset that the individual had toward their possessions. Perfect case is the situation with the rich young ruler. Jesus told them, if you want to follow me, And be one of my disciples, sell your goods, take your money and give it to the poor. But the Bible says he walked away sorrowfully because his money meant more to him than his walk with Christ. Money is hardly ever the real issue. It is hardly ever the real problem, but it always stems from what attitude you and I possess in relationship to money because with the rich young ruler, it wasn't about what he had in his hands. That wasn't the issue. The real challenge for him, which is the same challenge for us today, is what he had in his heart. Despite the fact that the idea of giving for many Christians is associated to their financial stewardship, the true essence of what it means to give transcends finances. In fact, Jesus makes it clear that the concept in the gospel of giving is the very foundation upon which he has built his kingdom. And nowhere else in scripture is this point made more clearly than in one of the most well-known, well-loved passages in all of Scripture. And I know many of us learned this from the time we were children, but I want us to take a look at it and read it today for ourselves. Let's turn to the book of John, John chapter 3, as we look at verses 16 and verse 17. This is probably the most well-loved of all Scripture in the Bible. Look at what it says. For God so loved the what? The world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here is is what is probably the most well-known, well-known verse, well-loved verse in all the Bible. And it is in these two verses that Jesus reveals God's plan to save fallen man was to be carried out by the giving of his son. Listen, this is not only a verse that sums up the gospel. This verse, verse 16, is the gospel. This is the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Without this, there is no gospel. There is nothing for you or for me to preach. This is it. I love what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said. He put it this way. He says, the heart of the gospel is redemption. And what he meant by redemption, he was simply talking about the steps that God took to save fallen man. And in order for God to save fallen man, by the way, that's you and that's me. He had to give his son. You see, giving is the foundation of the gospel. It it transcends money. That's why Paul says in Romans 6, 23, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as I shared with you on last week, that word gift in the Greek is the word koteris. It's the word we have for grace. It's not just a gift, but it's a gift given to someone that in no way deserves to receive it at all. That's the gospel. That's the foundation of the kingdom. That is the gospel of giving. Don't miss this. Forgiving is not only the foundation upon which God built his kingdom. But in this verse, it also contains the motivation that propelled God to give in the first place. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God shows us here that love and giving cannot be separated. They're like Siamese twins. They are bound together forever. You know, you can give without loving, but you can not love without giving. It's impossible. How can you say you love me, but you won't give of yourself to me or for me? And all throughout the gospel of John, Jesus makes this point clear that in order to love, you have to give for God so loved the world that he gave. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than he is willing to give his life for his friend. So if anybody tells you they love you, but they're not willing to give of themselves to you, they don't love you. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And it is in this powerful demonstration of what it means to give Jesus not only reveals to us God's motivation for giving, but he also reveals to us what our motivation for giving should be as well, and that is love. For if we are to be the true disciples of Christ in every sense of the word, then our motivation for giving should never be based on this idea that if I give to God, that's gonna place me in a better station, in a better position, With God, that's legalism. Jesus says your main motivation for giving and my main motivation for giving simply should be a response of what God has done for us simply because he loved us. In other words, it is because of God's graciousness that has been poured into my life and your life. That is what should motivate me to give. That is what should motivate you to give. Let's go back to the book of Matthew as we looked at our scripture reading. I just want to take a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 10 as we look at verses 5 to verse 8. Matthew 10, 5 to verse 8. Look at what the word of God says again. These 12, talking about the 12 apostles, Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse seven, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at verse eight. Do what? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Look at this last part. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, let me just give you a little context, because any good Jew understood what Jesus meant when he said, freely you have received, freely you give. Because in those days, rabbis were bound by the law to teach God's law, but to never charge anyone for teaching, unless they were teaching a child, and the only reason they allowed The rabbi to charge in that particular case is because it was the parents' responsibility ultimately to teach their children of the law of God. That's a note to us as parents today. But what was the point that Jesus was trying to make here? Simply this, that the main motivation for them to go out and share what God had done for them was not to receive payment for it. And oh, how I wish we could understand that concept today, because there are some of us, we won't do anything for anyone unless we receive some kind of payment for it. But he was telling them, I have given you these gifts to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and it didn't cost you anything. It was free to you. So now freely use those gifts, gifts for those who are in need. And although it may have been free for them, we know ultimately it was not free because it came through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you and I are not motivated to share with others what God has done for us and what God through Jesus Christ has given to us, if we're not willing to take this gospel to our family members, to our friends, to our coworkers, to those in our neighborhoods, even to our enemies, then have we really understood what God has done for us? Do we really have an appreciation for the gospel of giving that is the foundation for the very kingdom of God? And here is what I believe is at the root of this issue. It is because many of us, yea, I would even go as far to say, most of us truly do not possess An understanding and appreciation for the sinfulness that lies within each and every one of us, especially those of us who are privileged, who live in the United States and live in a more privileged country. When you look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, do I see a sinner saved by grace I don't care where your position is, where your station is in life. You and I are nothing but a low down, dirty, rotten, trifling sinner saved by the grace of God. And until we gain a better appreciation for that reality, for that truth, we will never truly understand or appreciate the gift that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Some of us don't think we need the gift because we've got good works. We've got great performance, we've got a great title, we've got a great God, we've got a a, a great position. Listen, you and I need God's grace because we are sinners, sinners saved by grace.
0: You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Gospel of Giving. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simple truthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you, no matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know, or don't care, or any political party Jesus came for the far left and the far right or if you're somewhere in between Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic Jesus came for the homeless the poor the middle class and the rich Jesus came for love love Jesus came for you and for all his children we're here to remind you of that WGTS 91.9 always encouraging and 88.3 on the eastern shore this is simple truths for life And giving is the very foundation on which God has built his kingdom. And this week, Charles Tapp shares that it's a demonstration of God's love in our hearts as he continues the rest of his message, The Gospel of Giving.
1: You and I need God's grace because we are sinners. Sinners saved by grace. But here's what I find strange. Believe it or not... It is easier for some people to give of their financial resources than it is for them to give in any other area of their lives. It is easier for some to give of their money, of their financial resources, more than it is for them to give in any other areas of their lives. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. As we look at these two verses, three verses rather, 36 to verse 38. Therefore, be merciful. Be what? Merciful. Do you know what mercy means? Do you know the difference between mercy and grace? Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. Amen? Amen. Therefore, be merciful just as your father is also merciful, not giving someone always what we think they deserve. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now here is the the verse of all verses, verse 38. Give, you know this verse, don't you? And it will what? be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Herein lies one of the most distorted verses in all of Scripture. This is probably the favorite verse of all the preachers and teachers of the prosperity gospel. But somehow they get the idea here that Jesus is talking about money. But he's not talking about money at all. When you read earlier in those verses, he's talking about things that are intangible. But somehow... We think giving is always synonymous with money, especially if we're the recipients. But when you read Luke 36 to 38, we see very clearly here Jesus isn't talking about money. So, what is he talking about giving? He says, Give mercy, don't judge, don't condemn, be willing. To give or grant forgiveness. So in verse 38, when he says, "Give, and it shall be given unto you," what is he talking about? As you give mercy, you shall what? Receive mercy. When you give forgiveness, you shall receive forgiveness in the same measure in which you and I are willing to grant that forgiveness. That mercy, that non condemnation to others, that's how you and I will receive it in return. Don't be judgmental. Instead, be willing to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And depending to what degree we are willing to give to others, Jesus says of the mercy of the forgiveness will determine the amount we shall receive in return for the same measure, the same measure you give it, the same measure you're willing to give mercy, the same measure I am willing to extend grace, the same measure in which I am willing to extend forgiveness to my brother and sister, That's how it will be returned to me. Money is not the issue at all. As I said at the beginning of this message, giving is not about what's in your hand. The gospel of giving is about what is in your heart. It is the foundation of God's kingdom. Jesus says, you've got it all wrong, you scribes and Pharisees. He's talking about not just the scribes and Pharisees of his day, but the modern day scribes and Pharisees as well. For Matthew 23, 23 he says, woe, scribes and Pharisees. Yes, yes, you pay tithe. You return tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. But then he says, you've neglected the weightier matters, the weightier giving of the law. Then what are those? Giving of justice, giving of mercy, giving of faith. These, he said, you have ought to done without Having left the others undone, it is easier for many of us to reach into our pockets and pull out money and place it in the basket to write a check, to go online and put our credit card and give a gift than it is for us to extend mercy and forgiveness and grace to somebody. Jesus says, Don't get it twisted. For the same measure in which you are willing to extend grace, that's the measure you will receive grace. The same measure you are willing to extend forgiveness, that's the same measure you shall receive forgiveness in return. He's not talking about money. In our culture today, we've contaminated this whole idea of giving and we always associate it with money. And I love what Paul says. Again, we've attached finances to this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. We think he's talking about money. He's not talking about money. He's talking about what's in the heart. If you sow forgiveness sparingly, guess what you're going to reap sparingly? Forgiveness. If you sow mercy sparingly, guess what I'm going to receive sparingly? Mercy. If you sow justice sparingly, don't expect to receive a bumper crop of justice in return. It's not going to happen. For the gospel of giving is not about what you and I have in our hands. The gospel of giving is about what you and I have in our hearts. And here's the thing. As Christians whose main goal in this life is to show the world the likeness of Christ, we should be the biggest givers on the planet. I'm going to say that again in case the sound bounced off the wall and it hasn't reached you yet. As true Christians, disciples of Christ, you and I should be the biggest givers on the face of the planet. And that giving of justice and mercy and forgiveness should start right here in the house of God and permeate out into our communities. And Jesus says, and this is how they will know that you're one of mine. If you have love one for the other, and you cannot love without what? Giving. I love what Tozier says, A.W. Tozier. He says, whatever we give to Christ is touched with immortality. Whatever we give to Christ is touched with immortality. So if I return tithe and offering, it is touched with immortality because it helps to make a way for someone to become part of the kingdom of God. When I grant forgiveness to someone, it is touched with immortality. It pays eternal dividends. You've heard of the TV show, The Biggest Loser. Christians should be the biggest givers on the face of the planet. Because the very gospel that has saved us is built on the gospel and the principle of giving, which is simply a byproduct of God's love for me and for you. And again, giving is not about what you have in your hand. That doesn't determine your giving. What determines our giving is what we have in our hearts. And yes, you can give, I can give without loving. But truly, I cannot love without giving. Giving my time, my talents, my treasure, the intangibles of my love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness. For with what measure you and I give of these, the greater of these, that's the same measure, we're gonna receive it. And I don't know about you, I need more grace, I need more forgiveness, and I need more mercy than anybody I know. Who says amen to that? Which means then, I must be willing to grant others the same. Because that's what God, through Christ, has done for me.
0: You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Gospel of Giving. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. We can
1: recognize the blessing that feels good, We know, God is good.
0: But what about when God blesses you with something that doesn't taste good? Next week, Charles Tapp helps you recognize the blessings God may be putting in front of you right now as he shares his message, a blessing in disguise. Well, thanks for listening. And we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more simple truths for life.